The text for this day is taken from their reading from Ephesians, specifically these words. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That's the text. Grace to you on this day. So, how many, how many of you are tired? Or, I take that back, you're running on adrenaline, but once that adrenaline got, you're going to be tanked. Because I'm assuming, I'm guessing that none of you went to sleep at precisely at a good time. Most of you, and I know you had to get your hair, I know the guys had to get their hair done at seven, no, I'm just kidding. But, I know it was an early morning, it's a long day, and you're probably not going to get to sleep at a good time tonight either. You're probably going to find yourself struggling to get food, especially you two. <laughs> so hopefully you got a good, I could smell Subway, I think that's like the, did you guys get Subway? Yeah, I think that's like the official wedding food of Ida Grove. <laughs> so, but hopefully that got you going. But here you are at the end on that day, you are, you've gone through a very challenging one because, let's face it, with COVID, it has made it interesting. Um, all of your plans are exactly the same as they were originally, right? No, I didn't think so. I look at our congregation, I mean, I know the, the hope was for 100 people, but the thing is, is with, that's because that's pushing us to the limits on our social distancing. But our congregation under nor this sanctuary, under normal circumstances, this coming Thursday, we'd have like 400 people for Christmas Eve. So that's showing you we could, normally, we could fit more. And then there was the venue that you wanted to be at. Originally, you wanted to be in Denison. Then you wanted to go to the Skate Palace. And if you, but if you had ability to see the future, you would have been okay with the skate palace, but you didn't know that the governor would change your rules two days before the wedding. So, interesting year. But here's the thing is, it would have been very, very easy for you to decide to dis get married next year. So, you know what? Let's get married in a year that you can get have a huge crowd, you can have everything you want, assuming things are, hopefully things are back to normal in a year, or normalish. but you did it. And the thing is, is that is actually what I would call a great act of humility. Because the thing is, is a wedding, as wondrous of an event as it is, is not as important as the marriage itself. The choice to get married, even in the not ideal circumstances, is an act of humility. In that passage from Ephesians 5, which pretty much when anybody ever hears specifically that line, wives submit to your own husbands, especially in our own culture, it's usually not taken like, oh, yeah, I like that. Usually people kind of get tensed. And a lot of it has to do with it was written to a culture other than our own. In other words, what it is saying is something that it's using a terminology that's foreign to us. See, in the ancient world, and as we talked about it during counseling, during the sessions, was in the ancient world, if you were in the military, 
there was a person whose job was to be the head. What that meant was if marauders were coming at the, arm, the military with a sword, the head was to stand in the line for the sword. So the whole idea of being the head is that you are to die before those behind you. In other words, it means to be a living in sacrifice. In, modern, in the modern day, the head of an army would probably be a tank. But in the ancient world, it was a, there was a person who that was their job. And everybody who was in the battalion, their job was to submit. And what that meant was don't step in front of the head. Because if you do, the spear is going to hit you instead of him. In other words, to be the head is the call to be willing to die for those who are behind. If you want to get an idea as to what this looks like, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 to 8, it says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, this may shock you, but your marriage is not really about you. If you want to know who your marriage is about, it's actually about Christ. Because, you see, every marriage is a reflection of the, of the marriage. See, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was in that moment that the Father had left him. When Jesus was on the cross, he said to John, the apostle, he said, behold, your mother. He left his mother. When he was on the cross, the tradition in crucifixion was because Jesus was being crucified on the Sabbath, his body had to be taken down before sundown. And so they had to make sure the body was dead. So the two, the, the two um, thieves... They broke their legs. The whole idea there was basically the person would die of either a heart attack or they'd slowly suffocate in like five minutes. It's like holding somebody's head underwater. But when it came to Jesus, as an act of mercy, which is kind of going with that the soldiers probably did not believe, were questioning whether or not Jesus should have been crucified at all, they did what is known as the death pierce. So you can imagine any cross, the spear is going to go straight up like this, and it'll go right into the heart. It went through the side, the very same piece of flesh that God used from Adam to create his bride, Eve. The spear goes into the heart, which surrounded as a cardinal sac, which fills up with fluid, and out comes water, which points to that. Not the microphone, but the baptismal font. 
to that point where you are united to Christ. It said, in baptism, you are crucified with Christ. You are buried with Christ. In fact, some of you were at a funeral just, two day, just on Thursday. You heard those words that being united in death, united to the death of Christ. The, the blood that comes out points to the Lord's Supper, which is also called communion, common union, because the many become one and become united with Christ. See, what came out of the side was what produced the bride of Christ. See, Jesus left his father and his mother in order to be united to his bride, the church, and they become one flesh. And every single marriage, for those of you who, those, for you who are about to be married, those of you who have been married, those of you who are engaged, few of you I think I've heard, I know are engaged, every marriage is a reflection of that. Which means, as we talked about, the, the traditional color for a, a groom, what's the color? Black. There's a reason. Because the husband is called to be willing to have nails in his hands, in his feet, a crown of thorn upon his head, to sacrifice, to suffer, an immense form of death in order that his bride may live. That's what it means to be the head. It's not to have a crown of gold, but a crown of thorns. It means your entire life is a sacrifice. This was a great quote I came across. He says, this is for husbands. So Kent, this is for you and any other husbands. And women, you can figure out. Anyways, so you can figure out if he's living up to it. But it says, if you must offer your own life for her, you must not refuse. Even if you must undergo countless struggles on her behalf and have all kinds of things to endure and suffer, you must not refuse. Even if you suffer all this, you have still done not as much as Christ has done for you. For you are already married when you act you are already married when you act this way, whereas Christ is acting for one who has rejected and hated him. So just as he when he when she the church was rejecting, hating, spurning, and nagging him, brought her to trust him by his great solitude, not by threatening, lording it over her, or intimidating her, or anything of that nature so must you also act towards your wife. Even if you see her looking down on you, nagging and despising you, you will be able to win her over with your great love and affection. So, look at her. Look at Carla. Is she beautiful? Okay. I was like, that would be bad. Like, ah, that would be bad if you would said that. <laughs> see, in the beginning, in that Ephesians 5, it says that he, he might say that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, have he cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That means 
that for your entire life, she is as beautiful to you then as she is now. That means one year from now, she's as beautiful as she is now. That means five years from now. It means when you are 80, 90 years old, you have walkers and you're wrinkly and you can't hear each other, you're having to yell across the room, whatever, just to hear one another. She looks just as beautiful as she does now. That means that when you're in a fight, when things don't get along, she still looks to you as beautiful as she does now. Carly, to be in submission means to honor. It means that even though he is to sacrifice himself, it is okay to tell him, hey, take a rest. Pull back. It's okay for him to get recovered because while he is to be like Christ, you're not Christ. You are still human. You're fallen. It means that you are ultimately to honor him, to respect him in your speech, not just to him, but to others. It means that the, hu the husband is not the substitute father if, if and when parent children would ever come in. He is, he is as much a parent, because in our culture, father a lot of times treated as a kind of a substitute or a babysitter. But here's the thing is, in all of this, no matter what the demands are of husband and wife, which are extremely steep, because one of the things is, is denying your pride. Giving up what you want for the sake of the marriage. It is not, the reality is you're going to fail again and again. And so I offer a challenge to you that not many couples take up. Do you know what day of the week is tomorrow? Sunday. What is normally on Sunday mornings? Church. Now I realize you are going to be tired and you're going to want to sleep in. But I honestly encourage that one of the first things you do as a couple, now it doesn't have to be at this church, we'd love to have you here, but come to church, especially like tomorrow we actually have the Lord's Supper. You realize how awesome that would be to come to the rail and be united to one another through the body and blood of Jesus. See, there, there has actually been studies that have shown, so we've all heard the statistics, what is it? They, some, oftentimes you hear what every, 40% of marriages end in divorce. You hear that, which, by the way, the statistic is very misleading. It's actually closer to 20%. They, it's 40% of all marriages. A lot of them are people who got married four or five times. But first marriages, it's at like 20%. But the thing is, is even the, the people who have the lowest divorce rate are those who are consistently in church. And I'm not saying that they're just Christians. I mean, they are consistently in church. Because when you come to church, the very first thing you say, one of the first things you say is, I am a poor, miserable sinner. That's humility. Realizing that you have failed through the week in, every, in many times. And then you hear, your sins are forgiven. You hear the life of Christ in the Gospels. You hear his word modeling what it means to be married because he is the groom. 
you hear it again and again. And you receive the supper for the forgiveness of your sins, for the strengthening of your faith, for the strengthening of your life that you may live more and more each day like him. That's why you come. And believe me, by making that decision tomorrow, it would be a huge decision because you are sacrificing a little bit of sleep. You could go home and go right to sleep. Tell people, we'll do stuff later in the afternoon. Let me sleep. That means setting it aside for a few hours or one, one hour or whatever for many years to come. Because he, he does and he will bless you. So we give thanks to him. In Jesus' name, amen.